You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. We start with what was supposed to be an exciting trip to the Rockies, turning into terror for a group of overseas students. The bus they were on this morning crashed on the Coquihalla Highway outside of Hope, leaving the route shut down for several hours. Our Tanya Beja was at the scene earlier this afternoon. A frightening experience for a group of Korean students this morning. They were traveling on the Coquihalla, headed to Banff in a bus when the driver lost control. Uh, we're told that the road conditions this morning were quite icy. There was some freezing rain around 10 a.m. Uh, when the driver fishtailed and eventually crashed into the median, which was covered in snow. Uh, one person was injured. We're told uh, the tour guide crashed through the windshield of the bus. He was taken to hospital with several injuries, including broken bones. Uh, there were about 30 students on the bus, part of a group called SOS International Winter Camps. Uh, thankfully, nobody else was injured, but road crews say this could have been so much worse. You know, just a bit of ice on top of that compact, and uh, people have the, uh, you know, they see that sign that says 120 kilometers an hour, and by golly, they got to do it up here, and unfortunately, they should be only doing maybe 60, and this is a case where... Uh, you know, lucky he wasn't going fast enough that the bus actually overturned uh, as the call originally came in. So, A second bus has now arrived and will take the students to their destination in Banff. Back to you. All right, Tanya, thank you for that from earlier. Now, a provincial review of BC's motor coach industry was launched just over two years ago. This is after dozens of people were injured in two separate crashes on the Coquihalla Highway. In 2015, 36 people were hurt when a tour bus collided with a tow truck and a car that were parked on the shoulder of the highway near Merritt. In 2014, dozens of passengers were injured when a bus carrying 56 people hit a median before skidding across several lanes and finally landing in a ditch. The review found that crash rates for coaches in the last 10 years, they have declined in BC by an average of 5.4% a year. That is well ahead of the national average of 2.9%. We are learning more tonight about the victims of yesterday's double fatal crash in the Kootenays. A tractor trailer jackknifed on the highway east of Yak, colliding head-on with a pickup truck that was pulling a horse trailer. As Grace Key reports, one of those killed was a decorated firefighter from Cranbrook. On behalf of the Cranbrook firefighters... Friends of Cranbrook firefighter Clayton Merrill remember him for his kindness, his gentle soul, and someone who was committed to his fellow firefighters' community and family. Saturday morning, he was killed in an accident on Highway 3, about 30 kilometers south of Cranbrook. His wife, Joan McKinnon, was transported to hospital with serious, life-threatening injuries. Both horses in their trailer also died. The driver of a tractor-trailer, a 59-year-old man from Edmonton, was ejected and died at the scene. The contributing factor was icy roads. Um, there was The ice on this road was quite bad at the time. Uh, the tractor-trailer went into the oncoming lane, jackknifed, and struck the other vehicle traveling opposite direction. The union has updated Joan's condition, saying she's made it through her first surgery. She was scheduled for a second one Sunday afternoon, but it was postponed pending further stabilization. <laughs> Captain Morrill competed in team roping. His wife took part in barrel racing. They were on their way back to practice when the collision unfolded. Professionally, he was presented with the British Columbia Long Service Medal back in October, awarded to people who have completed at least 25 years of paid or volunteer fire service. Clayton began his career in Cranbrook in 1990. A memorial has now been set up at the Cranbrook Fire Hall. Grace Key, Global News.
Charges have now been laid in connection with two bank robberies, which then led to a crash involving Vancouver police officers. It was just like a modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. A man and woman are accused of holding up the two banks before then trying to get away in a stolen vehicle. I turned to, like, yell at them. As I turned my head, I see them plow into another SUV that I think was coming up the hill. T-boned that. Spun around the intersection, went up on the sidewalk. Dave Harder recounts the chaos he witnessed while crossing Clark Drive at East First Avenue Saturday afternoon. And the sound of it was unbelievable when the two SUVs collided. It was like an explosion. That crash, according to Vancouver police, involved bank robbery suspects fleeing in a stolen vehicle. A Royal Bank on Commercial Drive hit first before a Scotia Bank down the street robbed 30 minutes later. The suspects on the loose in a Porsche Cayenne when their escape attempt came to a crashing halt. It looked like a young, like, 20-year-old guy tried to scramble to get out of the seat and get out of the car, and that was when the police cruisers came in and boxed him in. A man and woman in the Porsche were arrested. Four other vehicles also caught up in the impact. Four people from one of those rides taken to hospital, including a woman visiting from Brazil who was seriously hurt. It's like a scene out of a movie, huh? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was so surreal. Police appealing for dash cam video as they piece together what happened. 23-year-old Jordan Anthony Doddridge charged with two counts of robbery. Harder just feels fortunate he escaped with his life. Once the shock wore off and it set in, I was like, well, I just about died there. Like, literally almost died. Kristen Robinson, Global News. All right, we've got some breaking news coming in now. The provincial government is set to make a major announcement tomorrow about the upcoming sale of marijuana. Our Keith Baldry has the exclusive details about that announcement. Keith, good to have you with us. Uh, what are they set to say? Well, Mike Farnworth, Solicitor General, tomorrow afternoon has got a whole bunch to say. Uh, cannabis is a very complex file. It, it reaches into all corners of society and all, all laws. But one of the big questions has been, where is it going to be sold? I can tell you tonight, the big surprise for people, it's not going to be sold in liquor stores. That's off the table. A lot of people have been pushing for that. But uh, here's what to expect tomorrow from part of uh, Mike Farnworth's announcement. Again, cannabis will not be sold alongside liquor products, either in uh, government liquor stores or private liquor stores. They will not be allowed to sell cannabis. An adjoining store next to a liquor store can sell cannabis, but not in the liquor store itself. Uh, both private, uh, pub- private and public uh, non-liquor outlets will retail cannabis. Again, no liquor involved. And landlords, on a different topic, landlords can, will be able to ban tenants from growing marijuana, uh, which is another big push from the Landlord Association of BC. Uh, back to uh, the liquor stores, Sonia, I think one of the big reasons for, for Mike Farnworth's decision here is that Dr. Perry Kendall, the former law time serving chief medical health officer who retired last Friday, had been pushing the provincial government not to put cannabis next to liquor, uh, arguing that it could lead to impaired driving, more, uh, higher impaired driving, and uh, poorer health outcomes. And it appears that the government has listened to Dr. Kendall yet again on a sensitive health issue. All right. Thank you very much for that exclusive. We look forward to that officially tomorrow. Uh, just hold on there for a moment, if you can. We want to get your reaction to last night's high drama right. at uh, the Sheraton Wall Centre, where the BC Liberals were choosing their new leader, of course. Uh, if you missed it, it took five rounds of voting. The end result was Andrew Wilkinson is now the man in charge. The 60-year-old candidate beat former Conservative MP Diane Watts on the fifth and final ballot with just over 53% support. An estimated 60,000 party members were eligible to vote online and by phone. This, of course, was all to replace Christy Clark. 
Wilkinson says his priority now as opposition leader is to drive a wedge between the NDP and the Green Party coalition. My task is to make sure we hold the NDP to account with smart, incisive questions that will make their skin crawl. So our job is to make sure that the other side, with their divided team between the Greens and the NDP, are feeling uncomfortable all the time. So, Keith, you were there, of course, watching the results coming in last mm-hmm. night live. Uh, what do you make of this? And also, an uh, important question about Diane Watts, who, of course, left the Conservatives with the hope of leading the BC Liberals. Yeah, it was an incredibly dramatic evening. Uh, one of the most spectacularly uh, entertaining political uh, conventions I've ever been to. It only lasted a couple hours, but a lot of drama. I don't think a lot of people had Andrew Wilkinson winning this on five ballots. At one point, it looked like Michael Lee, the newcomer, was going to win. Uh, Watts was in the lead all along until the final ballot. But Wilkinson's a very intelligent guy. He's got a few things he's got to work on, but uh, he'll give Horgan uh, a run for the money in the B.C. legislature. One of the questions, though, what about Diane Watts? Uh, Wilkinson invited her up on the stage as a show of unity and said there's a, there should be a place in the caucus for Diane Watts after, at a news conference afterwards. I put it to Andrew Wilkinson, well, the only way you can get a news con- uh, her on the, in your caucus, you have to have a by-election. Would you ask one of your members to step down? Here's Andrew Wilkinson. You said on the stage that you need, you need Diane Watts in the caucus. There should be a place for her in this caucus. Will you ask one of your senior members to uh, re- uh, retire, basically, to open up a seat for her in a by-election? I think as we roll out the development of this party and get ready for the next election, there will be opportunities for lots of people to get involved. It may be at election time. It may be beforehand if by-elections come open. Right now, our priority is to get Ben Stewart re-elected in Kelowna West. Quite a night. I don't think we're going to forget that for a long time. Thank you very much for that, Keith. All right, and there he is. He's gone. Uh, We'll get back to other news now on a serious note. A shooting in Kamloops last night has led to several suspects being arrested. A 26-year-old man was shot in the foot while uh, walking near Mulberry Avenue and Wilson Street at around 10 at night. He was taken to hospital, but his injuries are not considered life-threatening. Police say that they did arrest several people at a home on Wilson. Officers stayed at the scene overnight to investigate. A tragic ending after a plea from actress Kim Cattrall to her social media followers, calling on them to help find her missing 55-year-old brother in Alberta. She put out an Instagram post and said that the family hadn't heard from her brother since Tuesday. She said her brother's keys, cell phone and wallet were left on a table in the house and his front door was unlocked. The actress also put out a plea on Twitter for Albertans to keep an eye out for him. Chris Cattrall lived on a rural property in Lancome County. He had seven dogs which were left alone late this afternoon, though. Uh, the RCMP did confirm that his body had been found on the property. Kim Cattrall also confirming his death this afternoon, thanking people on social media for their help during the search and asking for some privacy now. The RCMP wouldn't further release any details, but did say Cattrall's death was not considered suspicious. Uh, the British-born actress, of course, grew up, grew up on Vancouver Island and still has a home there. A lot of people across southern Vancouver Island have been reporting feeling the earth move late last night, and it was all because of a 3.2 magnitude earthquake that hit off the coast of southern Vancouver Island. This was just before 11 p.m., No damage was reported and no tsunami warning was issued either. A 7.9 magnitude tremor hit southeast of Kodiak City, Alaska last Tuesday. That did leave some communities on the south coast to evacuate to higher ground from a potential tsunami. 
Westwood Plateau Golf Club in Coquitlam was home base for crews involved in the successful search and rescue of dog walker Annette Patras late last fall. T today, it was the scene of an emotional reunion for an important cause. Kristen Robinson reports. Nice to see you. Oh, my God. It's an embrace that began here two and a half months ago. To walk in and immediately just relive all those raw emotions and, you know, it's, it was, it's bittersweet. That's when Marcel Poitras's wife Annette first landed on the green at Westwood Plateau, injured but alive. It's changed my life. Poitras was walking these three dogs on Eagle Mountain last November when she slipped and fell. Unable to move, Bubba, Chloe, and Roxy stayed with their dog walker for two cold, rainy nights, while up to 100 search and rescue members looked for them in the Coquitlam backcountry. After three days, a miracle. When it came over the radio that one of the teams was with Annette and the three dogs, and Annette was alive, it's just uh, an amazing high. The rescue capped off the busiest year on record for Coquitlam search and rescue. Now the city, the Poitresses, and the dog owners are thanking volunteers by encouraging everyone to donate what they can to their local SAR this month. I tell you, the search and rescue is very important. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing here. <laughs> oh yeah, have it up for the camera. As the dogs who helped Poitras survive are honored, it's hoped the public will step up for the search and rescue heroes. Five, ten dollars. That's not much in your pocket, but if everyone did that, amazing how much will go for their equipment. It's going to take time. Time will heal, but I'm out back walking the dogs. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Welcome back. An early morning fire in Vancouver's Yaletown caused significant water damage inside a building today. The fire broke out in a boiler room on the second floor of a building near Helmkin and Mainland at about 4.30 this morning. Vancouver Fire Rescue says it was in a former warehouse that had been converted into office space. We don't have any uh, fire damage. We have smoke and water damage at this time, quite extensive to uh, that area of the building. But it's out now and uh, crews are cleaning up. This is an old building that has been converted into uh, part of our Yale Town movement. So it's got uh, multiple uh, businesses in it. It seems like uh, probably five or six businesses will be effective, uh, affected by this. The driver of a high-end vehicle has learnt the hard way it does not pay to drink and drive. An officer posted these photos of a Lamborghini being impounded by Victoria Police late last night. A patrol officer apparently noticed flames from the car's exhaust and pulled the driver over. Police say the driver was found to be impaired by alcohol. He's been suspended for driving, from driving even, for 90 days and his luxury car has been impounded for 30 days. The future of an iconic East Vancouver theatre is under threat tonight. The building that houses the Rio Theatre is up for sale. Now the future is uncertain. Staff in the community, though, are digging in, saying they will not give up without a fight. Here's Jennifer Palmer. If we're not able to buy it, it is very likely that a developer is going to buy it. And any developer is going to have plans to tear it down. The future of the Rio Theatre is under threat. The building is for sale and the Rio's operator is hoping the community will help keep it in lights. Everybody seems to be really on the same page where they're just tired of seeing venues lost to development and um, or, or to the economy and the fact that we are we're a success story. We actually are thriving. 
Lee wants to buy the building to keep the Rio Theater a part of the community, but she and her staff need the public's support. An online petition has been launched. It's not just about the Rio. This is about um, the city that people call home and about wanting to wrest control back into the hands, perhaps, of the people who work uh, and live here. This isn't the first time the Rio has fought for its existence. In 2012, a battle over liquor laws took place. The Rio won, and it's hoping to survive this current situation. If I fought that hard then only to you know lose it a few years later like especially when we're in our stride it just seems like heartbreaking. The Rio has an eight-year operating lease and the city is requiring any new building built on the site include a movie theater. It's under threat nobody builds 400 seat Art Deco venues in 2018. The building's owner says he's willing to work with Lee. I don't really think they should worry because I'm pretty confident that Corinne will buy it and they have to put a theater here anyway. The deadline to put in an offer to buy the building is February 6th. Jennifer Palma, Global News. All right, a lot is going on in terms of sport. We'll get to that. I wonder what everybody's talking about right now. <laughs> Tennis, no. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second, but weather-wise uh, out there, uh, how's it looking? Uh, we saw a few nice breaks out there, so a nice change today, depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver. So we managed to squeeze out a few breaks of sunshine. It'll be a dry day uh, for much of the south coast, looking ahead towards our Monday. Here's a look at some of the temperatures today, though. It has been on the mild side, into the double digits for many spots. Victoria 13 today, 12 for areas near Port Alberti and hope today with a high of 11 degrees. We are still looking at some snow with a snowfall warning that is in effect for the northern half of the province. If you're traveling along Highway 16, I'll have more on that and we'll look ahead towards your next week forecast. There are going to be some more, there is some more sunshine as well. So yeah. All right. Okay. That's in a few minutes. Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. It's been an awesome uh, afternoon. Mm -hmm. Like great football back and forth. And my, uh, my man, JT, Justin Timberlake, you sing that song I like where he uh, snaps his fingers and uh, something like that. He was, no, he was really good too. So if, you, if you've been out all day and, and you can't bring yourself to watch the game, we'll have some highlights for you. And also look back at the Canucks who they didn't win last night against Tampa. They really impressed me how they came back and worked and they probably deserve better. So that, that's mm -hmm. really positive. A young team like that playing against one of the best in the league. Welcome back. Well, a deadly crash in South Carolina is being investigated right now after a passenger train collided with a parked freight train this morning. More than 100 passengers were hurt in the third violent accident involving an Amtrak train in less than three months. Early indications are Amtrak train 91 was traveling at about 59 miles per hour when it hit a freight train early this morning near Columbia, South Carolina. On board the New York to Miami train were nearly 150 passengers and crew. The 54-year-old engineer Michael Kempf of Savannah, Georgia and 36-year-old conductor Mike Sella of Orange Park, Florida were both killed when the lead locomotive and some of the passenger cars derailed. Margaret Fisher is the Lexington County coroner. We should have had a lot more casualties, but we didn't. 116 people were taken to area hospitals with a range of injuries. The CSX was on the, the, the track that it was supposed to be on, and that appears to be a, a loading track. The National Transportation Safety Board is now on scene to investigate the crash. That switch was, as they say in the railroad industry, lined and locked, which basically means it was aligned, aligned for the trains coming down this way to be diverted into the siding. Investigators remain here on the tracks. The NTSB was able to get its hands on the forward-facing camera inside the Amtrak locomotive. 
That video is being sent to Washington to be analyzed. Take a look at the train cars. You can see the force of this collision knocked them completely off the tracks. This is the third fatal Amtrak crash that the NTSB has been investigating since December. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, West Columbia, South Carolina. A vigil is underway tonight in Toronto for the victims of an alleged serial killer. And the darkness can come quick. Members of a local church say they wanted to provide a place for people within the LGBTQ2 community to grieve. 66-year-old Bruce MacArthur has been charged with five counts of first-degree murder. This is in connection to the disappearances. Investigators say it is believed that he did target specifically men in Toronto's gay village. For all of us, for one reason or another, this tragedy has touched us and felt close to home because it has been close to home. We get some breaking news coming in this hour from the RCMP in Alberta. They say that a young boy exposed to high levels of carbon monoxide at an Airdrie apartment complex has died in hospital. Crews were called to the building in Airdrie for reports of carbon monoxide exposure. More than 169 units had to be evacuated. One boy was rushed to hospital, but police uh, just speaking a short time ago, saying that the 11-year-old boy did not survive. Officials still worried and still working to determine what happened and how. Celebrations today in Halifax over the removal of a controversial statue. Members of the local indigenous community performed on the site where the Edward Cornwallis statue once stood. After years of protest, it was removed on Wednesday. He was recognized as the founder of Halifax, who offered a cash bounty in 1749 for anyone who killed a Mi'kmaq person. Gee, that's uh, a symbol of white supremacist thinking, and it's time to get rid of it. And I'm very happy that it's gone, and I hope it never gets back. It offends me when these statues are taken down and history is erased or rewritten. There are talks going on now uh, to find out what to do with this statue, some suggesting it should be put in a museum in order to educate others on past injustices. Tourists are lining up to get a first-hand look at an incredible frozen waterfall in southwest China. The frozen waterfall is 30 meters high and 9 meters wide. From far away, it just looks like a magical ice sculpture hanging off the cliff. It is a rare sight, one that's getting a lot of attention. One person says he walked for more than two hours just to get really close to this frozen wonder. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, don't know whether you're into hot yoga at all, but some in Winnipeg are embracing their notorious winter weather. They've decided to practice frozen yoga. I'll reach your hands all the way up. They've got the moves and the mats, but this isn't your typical yoga class. Lengthen on your inhale. About two dozen people faced the cold on Saturday to try yoga outside at Fort Wet Alive. Doing yoga inside the hot yoga, that's all just normal, but this is... This is a definite experience, so it, it was something that we, we embraced. Most of the participants dressed for the conditions, swapping yoga pants for ski pants, boots and a jacket. I think it's a really cool concept. I do yoga myself, uh, a lot of hot yoga, so now I'm going the other way. For some, it was even their first yoga experience ever. I think it's neat to try st new stuff, stuff that you wouldn't think of doing in the wintertime. I think that sometimes we 
get bundled up in the house and don't want to come outside. And if you dress for the cold, you can live with it. The yoga instructor says it's also a way to unplug from technology and plug into nature. You have your cell phone, tablets, all the things. And when you get to be outside, the benefits are astronomical for your mind. They are able to um, help release stress and help release tension. And these people are not just freezing for fun. All the money raised is going towards kids' nature programming here at Fort White Alive. Amber McGookin, Global News. Why not, Yvonne, right? Yeah, any ways to stay fit. Yes, exactly. But it looked pretty hard and very cold out. Yeah, I think the temperature must have been into the, I don't know, with the wind chill, minus 20, minus 30. So they're very brave. What are we dealing with here? Um, Much milder today. We're actually into the double digits. We've managed to see a few breaks in the precipitation and even in the clouds this afternoon. So quite pleasant for us across Metro Vancouver. We're currently sitting at 9 degrees, dry out of the airport, a southerly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Our high today, 12 degrees, not quite record-breaking. A record of 13 degrees was set back in 2011, but we were above that average for this time of the year that sits at 7 degrees. A snapshot of a few of the other highs across the province today with Alone up to two. The average for the tops at Okanagan should just be below the freezing mark. Still very cold, though, for the northeastern corners of the province and much of the central interior. Today's high for the piece at minus 21. Coastal sections for Prince Rupert at two. And areas near Tofino today climbing up to a high of nine degrees. We are tracking this next frontal system that's continuing to work its way across the province. We do have snowfall still across the central interior. And the following areas in white, Bulkley Valley in the lakes and the southern sections or the northern sections of the Thompson still included within a snowfall warning. There's an additional two and up to four centimeters of snowfall this evening and then it will taper off a much drier day tomorrow. The mountain passes, if you are traveling this evening, will be flurry activity and up to two centimeters and then much drier also pushing into the southeastern corners of the province. Here's a future cast into play. Looking ahead on our Monday across the south coast, it'll be a dry one. We will see cloud cover and then a mainly cloudy sky towards the evening and then the next push of moisture is going to be on our Tuesday. Across the province, starting off in the piece, the wind chill tomorrow at minus 33. A nice dry day underneath a mix of sun and cloud, and then some snow starts to push in, but it'll be late Tuesday and then heavier snowfall leading in towards Wednesday. Whitehorse sunny and dry tomorrow, chilly with a high of minus 22. Flurries developing once again on Tuesday with a high of minus 14, average for this time of the year at minus 10. Coastal sections, a nice break from the precipitation tomorrow, mix of sun and cloud. Tuesday, showers developing, and then a heavier round of rain will push in on Wednesday. Caribou and central interior also seeing that snow tapering off by tomorrow. It's a mix of sun and cloud, minus 13 for tomorrow, and then flurries developing Tuesday, and similar weather picture for Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai region, mainly cloudy with a chance for an isolated shower tomorrow. The snow level will be rising to around 1,000 meters. It's Tuesday, Wednesday that we'll see that cloud cover and a chance of showers once again on Wednesday. Thompson, Okanagan, a few flurries, especially for the morning hours. Tomorrow it changes over to showers and light rain on Tuesday and Wednesday. Whistler will see a few nice breaks, mix the sun and cloud with the high of 2 degrees. Showers late in the day on Tuesday and then developing or similar on your Wednesday. And across the island, we will be seeing some nice breaks for the afternoon. Temperatures back into the double digits with a high of 11 degrees for areas near Victoria. And then showers once again on Tuesday and leading in towards our Wednesday. Five-day forecast, we are going to see a nice break from the rain tomorrow. We'll see more breaks in the cloud by the evening hour. It is unsettled. The next round of rain is going to push in towards our Tuesday, but it is going to remain mild, and it's been a while. It feels like it's Sonia. Thursday, Friday, it looks like we'll get back into some sunshine, too. Good. Something to look forward to. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne.
All right, in the entertainment world, news Kardashian fans have been waiting for, <coughs> excuse me, Kylie Jenner announcing today that she gave birth to a girl on Thursday. The 20-year-old apologized for keeping her fans in the dark, saying that she kept her pregnancy private in order to have a stress-free and positive experience. The father is rapper boyfriend Travis Scott. This is the couple's first child together, and uh, in terms of the baby's name, that has yet to be revealed. All right, just want to take you back to our top story right now, the crash of a tour bus on the Coquihalla Highway outside of Hope this morning. We do now have some exclusive video of that crash, this dash cam footage showing uh, the bus, which was carrying students from Korea, sliding out of control there, spinning along the highway. As you can see, one person ended up going through the windshield, so this was uh, pretty serious. Witnesses saying that that person was nearly hit by a semi-truck. They were rushed to hospital in stable condition. Uh, this bus was heading to Banff. Uh, so uh, that is exclusive uh, dash cam footage that's been sent to us. We'll keep a close eye on that story for you as it develops. Um, in the world of sports, though, a lot of people are talking about the Super Bowl today. Mm -hmm. I think this is the game that people are going to talk about for a long time. And the, really? it's still going on right now. But you know, every, every two minutes it changes. It's just back and forth. It's been great. Thanks, Sonia. You know, Tom Brady was uh, looking to start a Super Bowl ring collection on his other hand tonight in Minneapolis. Brady is tied for the most Super Bowl wins in history with five, and he's looking for ring number six against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that depends on stout defense and a balanced attack on offense that can be explosive under their quarterback, Nick Foles. Brady, eighth Super Bowl game. Amazing. Five and two record in those previous seven. First one for Foles, who once threw seven touchdowns in a game. When he's on, he's very good, and he was on today or is still on. Got a field goal in the opening drive, then on the next possession, Foles going deep to Alshon Jeffrey. Comes down with it for the touchdown, 34 yards. They missed the point after, but 9-3 Eagles after one. Eagles defense was physical. Brandon Cooks trying to juke and jive and get loose, but meet Malcolm Jenkins. Crushing hit. Cooks was down, did not return. He has a concussion. Second quarter, Eagles keep coming. And Alshon Jeffrey, what a catch along the sidelines. Just tremendous offensive plays both ways in this game. Next play, LeGarrette Blunt, the former Patriot, is going to burst through. It's a 20-yard touchdown. Eagles went for the two-pointer and missed, but they still led 15-3. to three. Patriots answer, James White. He explodes up the middle. 26-yard touchdown. They missed the point after. A lot of kicking problems in this one. 15-9. The Eagles offense, though, really unstoppable. 323 yards in the first half. Corey Clement with the 55-yard gain here. He's not even one of their feature backs, but he's had a huge game. Then on fourth and goal, this is the one they'll be talking about forever. Eagles go for it. Check out the razzle-dazzle, the direct snap, the flip to Trey Burton, who hits the quarterback. Nick Foles for the touchdown. Are you kidding? Love that. Takes a lot of guts. Now, 22-12 at the half, and then it's Justin Timberlake time. Seems to be popular, this young fellow. The boy can dance. Also a very classy tribute to Prince, who is a Minneapolis, Minnesota native. And JT going into the crowd. He's an entertainer of the people. He was excellent. Certainly not disappointing there. Back to the game. Patriots open the third quarter by driving 75 yards. Brady to Gronkowski, who only had one catch in the first half, but he was a big part of the offense in the second half. Brady up to 344 yards at that point. But back come the Eagles. Nick Foles finds Corey Clement. They reviewed it. Did he bobble it before he got that first foot down? That's debatable, but it stood. 
29-19 Eagles. Now to Brady. It was quarterback ping pong. Back and forth. Brady to Chris Hogan. Touchdown, 29-26 Eagles. Brady up to 403 passing yards at that point. He is 40, by the way. Not done yet. Fourth quarter, Brady to Gronkowski one more time for his second TD. Uh, Patriots leading for the first time, but still lots of time to go in this one, and they lead 33-32. It's a classic right now. Final round of the Waste Management, Phoenix Open at the famed 16th in front of 20,000, mostly inebriated fans. Matt Kuchar at the tee shot, and this has a chance. Could it be a hole-in-one? Oh, that close. And it would have set off what would have been Bedlam at 16, but Kuchar... Settles for the birdie, tied for fifth. Phil Mickelson gave the locals a thrill. Former ASU grad, three-time winner of this tournament on 16. Yes! Knocks it in for birdie, uh, but he double-bogeyed 18. Finished tied for fifth as well. Gary Woodland had the low round of the day. He had nine birdies, including this one on the short par 4 17th. His drive just off the green, and that is a well-judged chip to just a few feet made birdie there he posted 18 under Ches Reeby needed to birdie the final two holes to force a playoff he birdied 17 and then from 21 feet on 18 this is to force the playoff and that is clutch he's also an Arizona State grad like Mickelson and John Rahm so a home game for Reeby they needed playoffs first playoff hole Reeby for par and slides it by. So he made bogey, so that makes it pretty routine for Woodland. Just a short little tap-in for the victory. And he gets the win at the Waste Management. Adam Hadwin finished 43rd at 4-under. Nick Taylor was at 2-under. He finished 52nd. Davis Cup from Croatia. Canada needing to win both singles matches today to pull the upset. Denis Shapovalov, 48th in the world versus Borna Choric. She's 47th, so an even matchup. But on the red clay, advantage Koric. Shapovalov, though, with a nice winner in the first set, still lost at 6-4. Second set on serve, but Koric puts Shapovalov on the defensive. Well-crafted point here. Nice volley winner, and he gets the break there. Took the second set 6-4. Got another break in the ninth game of the third and then served it out. Big serve and then the put away. So Croatia gets the victory over Canada. They move on to the quarterfinals against Kazakhstan. Canada will have to requalify for the world group in the fall. Welcome back. The Canucks didn't win the game last night against Tampa. I think they did win a lot of respect from the league leaders. Canucks fell behind early but showed tremendous heart to stick with it. And they had the Lightning scrambling late before Tampa put the game away with a penalty shot goal. But a very positive response from this young Canucks team. Henrik Sedin, he's not young. 1,300th career game, 62nd on the NHL all-time games played list. Canucks battled hard, but Tampa... Will score here to make it 3 nothing. Yanni Gord, where'd he come from? He's got 18 goals. And the Lightning really looked unstoppable. But then the Canucks finally got rewarded for all their hard work. Brock Besser over to Stetcher. And Thomas Vanek fakes and stuffs it home to make it 3-1. to one. That was his 15th. And then a few minutes later, with the Canucks coming on in waves, how about this play by Brock Besser? Hangs on and then snaps it past Vasilevsky. His 25th of the year. Three to two, and that kid just keeps responding in the big moment. You have to love the Canucks fight, but unfortunately, a tough play here. Chris Tanev high sticks Corey Conacher on the breakaway. A penalty shot called, and since he cut him, 
It's a four-minute penalty. One of the penalties eaten up by the penalty shot, and Conacher scores to make it 4-2, plus they got a power play, so it was game over. But the Canucks, nice job coming back. They now hit the road for a road trip starting Tuesday in Florida. NHL today, Vegas Golden Knights visiting the Washington Capitals, tied at two in the third, and the Caps will take the lead. Nice little cross ice here to Nick Backstrom, who knocks it in the empty net past Marc-Andre Fleury played a lot of games in Washington as a member of the Penguins, but Vegas is never out of it. They've got some guys who can put the puck in the net, like Riley Smith. That's his 16th. What a shot. Ties it at three, and then with five minutes to go, just some hard work down low, and Alex Tuck will tuck it in here past Grubauer. Vegas is a winner again. 4-3 the final, 74 points, second overall in the league, just one behind Tampa. Habs and Senators from Montreal, two teams who will not be making any playoff appearance this year. They'll be in the bottom five for sure. Second period, young Finn Arturi Lekkonen will score on the power play, and that makes it 2-1 Habs. And then late in the period, the young Finn will score again, just his fourth of the year. Back-to-back wins at home this weekend for the Canadians as they down the Senators 4-1. NBA today, Raptors and Grizzlies. It's been 17 years since the Grizzlies left Vancouver. Raps bench has been great all year. Pascal Siakam from Fred Van Vliet. Nice touch to drop that one in. Raps by 12 at the half. Fourth quarter, C.J. Miles hits the three. Toronto was horrendous from beyond the arc, though. Six for 35, but that one fell. Their three-point shooting has been pretty good this year. Today it was tough, but they did hit some big ones. Van Vliet also hit a three. The bench played equal minutes today with the starters. They were the difference. 101-86, Raps win. They're 36-16, second best in the East behind Boston, and they host the Celtics in a huge matchup at the ACC Tuesday. Premier League, Tottenham and Liverpool, Spurs trying to step into a Champions League spot. How about a shot here by Victor Wanyama? A cracker from 30 yards out. Rising blast into the corner, 1-1. Now Harry Kane missed a penalty in the 87th, and that set the stage for this brilliance from Mo Salah. Chips it in to give Liverpool the apparent victory. This is in a minute or two into stoppage time, so it's 2-1 Liverpool playing at home at Anfield, but... The Spurs pressing. Is that a penalty? Eric Lamela drops to the turf rather dramatically. At first, there was no penalty called, but the assistant referee intervened, so Harry Kane tied it up, much to the disdain of the Anfield faithful. 2-2 the final. Two points separate those teams in the standings. And the Scotties final from Penticton to Winnipeg ranks. Jennifer Jones of Manitoba taking on the wildcard team, skipped by Kerry Anderson. New format this year allowed for a top team to get in as a wild card. And what do you know, Anderson taking advantage in her first Scotties appearance. Tied at four in the seventh. Nice precision draw there to get a point. 5-4 for the wild carders from Winnipeg. But Jennifer Jones, who's making her 13th Scotties appearance, she's won this five times. She's pretty much won everything in the world of curling. And it's a pretty nice shot here. Just hits it just right here to score two. It's 6-5 Manitoba in the night, so they're going down to the wire in Penticton, like they are in Minnesota, the Super Bowl. Fantastic. Yeah, well. and the ads, of course, people talk about the ads often. They and do. We're going to finish off with that in just a couple of minutes, so stay with us. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 305. Grouse 382, Cypress 375, and Sasquatch 308. Rebel Stoke with a base of 265, Manning Park with 12 new centimeters of snow and a base of 192, Powder King with a base of 249, Mount Washington 242. 
Big White with a base of 247, Silver Star with 16 new centimeters of snow and a base of 241, Sun Peaks 203 and Apex 224. All right, finally tonight, it's not just the action on the field that has got everyone talking on Super Bowl Sunday, of course. A lot of people looking forward to the ads in between as well. Uh, so we're going to share a couple of them with you now. One is with Danny DeVito. The other is with Peyton Manning. I've had three people try to eat me today. Three. Ooh, lucky penny. Anyway, sometimes I wish I were human. Whoa. Look at me. I'm human. Do you want to eat me? No. Do you want to eat me? No, thanks. No? Would you like to eat me? <laughs> Nobody wants to eat me! I'm the luckiest! You dropped your lucky penny. Man, I look good. You're still short and bald. This is your moment. You are more than a team. You are family. Now let's get out there and play! Yeah. I'm going to go off and to push your vacation into 110%. But that's mathematically impossible. With an attitude like that, it sure is. You know, I really wanted to play Quidditch, but we're kind of a football family. Interception. Cheap shot. I don't deserve that. All hail Megatron. Didn't you play for Detroit? The sight of you sickens me. Akeo. It's Akio. Alcio. Akio. I got it. Akio. No? Fear is never an option. Oh, yeah, it is. Let's see your game face. Ever wonder how it feels to get the cooler dumped on you after the game? Like that? No? Everyone ready? Omaha! The off-season is on, so take your vacation game to the next level. Universal Parks and Resorts. You're uncoachable. <laughs> Peyton Manning right. is so good. He's an he's, incredible quarterback, but also he's he's funny and he does some of the best ads on yeah, TV. Yeah, for cool. sure. Um, all right, you get the final word today. Which way is it going to go, Super Bowl? Well, I don't know. They're they're reviewing a play right now in the for the Eagles. I mean, it's just back and forth. Really, one of the best played, most offensive, incredible. It's a touchdown. It just got the symbol from Dustin. It's a touchdown. So <laughs> it looks like it looks like Philly, but Brady's going to get the ball back. Who knows? You got to go watch. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you back here tonight at eleven.